Blog Talk Radio. Hi there, I'm Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older. And we sure do know that one of life's greatest pleasures is enjoying the culinary delights of new and delicious foods. That's why today's show is going to be especially informative, entertaining, and fun. Our guest, Glenn Mutel, is a renowned food and travel journalist based in London. He's the editor of Food by National Geographic Traveler UK, and his passions include European train travel, city breaks, and of course, dining out. But Glenn is joining us today to share all about a truly amazing new book from National Geographic. It's called Food Journeys of a Lifetime, and boy, you are going to want to hear more about this one. Welcome, Glenn. I'm so excited to talk with you today. Hi, it's great to be here. Well, I, and also, I we did have a chance to share a little bit before the show went live, and I've already gushed quite a bit about this fabulous book. It, but it's like a lot of National Geographic books. It's visually stunning. It's filled with beautiful photograph, photographs, and uh, it's packed with information. So I want to give you a huge congratulations on contributing such an incredible resource. And I know that every uh, foodie out there is going to be appreciative, too. Oh well, thank you, thank you for thank you for being so nice about it. Yeah. Well, and the back cover states that the the book is the ultimate culinary tour around the world, and that it is for sure. So, give us an overview of some of the sights and tastes that readers can expect to find in the book. Well, I mean, it's it's a hard book to summarise because it's so big. But I suppose the best way I can do it is by saying, you know, we've. It spans the whole spectrum of food experiences. So it will have things in there like things you might expect, you know, so things such as the best delis in New York or the, the, the bakery that is officially the producer of the best baguettes in, in Paris, you know. So it will have things like that. But then at the other side of the, of the spectrum, it has things that are a bit more surprising and a bit more out there perhaps. You know, for example... Um, there's one page that's devoted to this this kind of cooking hunter-gathering class that, that's uh, being laid on in, in northern Queensland in Australia. You know, it's a, a First Nation piece of land, and the people who run the course are a couple of brothers who are from the First Nation community there. And they teach you how to, um, you know, catch fish with spears and dig for mud crabs. And they also teach you how to spot green ants in the trees. And the green ants uh, are used in the local cooking. They add a kind of citrusy flavor to things, you know. Um, And that to me, you know, so you can go and have baguettes in Paris and I'll applaud you for it because they're marvelous. Or you can go and have some green ants in northern Australia. I mean, there's everything everything in between. Oh, great. Well, and two, I love the way the book is organized. It's not necessarily mm. geographic. I mean, there there are aspects of that, of course, because it's a travel mm. guide as well. But uh, the chapters are based on various aspects of food and dining out. And then the other thing I want to make sure we talk about is you intersperse the chapters with several top ten lists, and that added so much to the information. Yeah, I think you have to. I mean, you, if it's exactly the same all the way through, then people's attention span will uh, will wilt a little bit. And those top tens are they're arguably my favourite bits. You know, we've got thirty of them, and they cover everything from uh, 
national dishes, food museums, historic food shops, old-fashioned candy stores, you know, things, top, top 10 Chinatowns around the world, you know, um, historic restaurants. And uh, those are the things, I think they're my favorite things in the whole thing. And we've got some new ones in there as well, you know, like fermented foods and vegan restaurants as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they really add to the, the kind of richness of the reading experience, we hope, you know. Well, and you, I mentioned too before we went on air how jealous I am of you and your career. <laughs> You've obviously enjoyed a fabulous one, traveling all around the world and tasting lots of exotic foods. But do you have any particular favorite places or tastes that you'd like to share with our listeners? Oh, well, let me think. I I would say, you know, it's for me it's the cheese in France, really. I was in... Um, Last week, I don't go as much. I don't go away as much these days as you might think. But as luck would have it, last weekend I was away. I was in the uh, Alps in Paris in Mont Blanc, uh-huh. and I was. I had some. Uh, I was in a mountain hut, and I had some pastis, and I had some Roblechon cheese, and and I, you know, that's as happy as I can be when I, you know, views of mountains, nice cheese, nice booze. You know, that's when I'm happiest. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I don't want to. I was hoping like you'd say the soul. green ants, but hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I've not tried the green. I've had ants before, but not green ones. No, that's that, <laughs> I, that's something for me to aspire to. You know. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, we all have our desires in life. So, a bucket list item, I guess. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I also yeah. want to uh, say that it's not only about you know solid food. You have a liquid delight chapter in the book, uh, best wine and beer and more. So tell us a little bit about your research into that chapter. Well, you know, I mean, I don't want you to think that, you know, it was a room full of people getting drunk and, uh, you know, just <laughs> making notes. But, uh, every, you know, booze tourism, we, we call it booze, alcohol tourism, you know, it's... Uh, it's a thing a lot of people have done without realising. You know, we're, I'm, from, I'm from London, but... A lot of people from my part of the world have already been culinary tourists because whenever they've gone to Scotland, uh, part of the of the tradition there is to go to a distillery and watch the whiskey being made, you know, smell the grain and then buy a more expensive bottle than you meant to afterwards in the gift shop. So I think, you know, wine, beer, things like that, they're really big drivers of, of, of kind of, of travel tourism and, and vineyards as well. I mean, vineyards, what would... What would, um, what would food travel be without wine so yeah i'm glad we had a whole dedicated section to that because you know i don't want to sound like an alcoholic but it's it's very important to me as a, as a traveler you know well absolutely and like you say you know uh, where you can go to vineyards around the world now i mean if mm. wine has been such a part of you know the culture in so many places and uh, yeah, of course absolutely. beer too so and it just adds to the enjoyment of all that great food uh, and, but i do want to mention I'm sorry, I interrupted you. I did also want to mention another favorite chapter of mine, which was called Ultimate Luxuries. I might not be able to experience one of these firsthand, but it was fun to read about them. So tell us about some of the ultimate luxuries uh, you maybe experienced or would care to share. Oh, right. Well, Ultimate Luxuries. Um, Well... I suppose sometimes, you know, luxuries aren't always high-priced things. They can be sort of uh, hard-to-access things, you know. And I've had, uh, I don't know, I remember having, uh, you know, I'm not an advocate for eating anything, but I remember having, um, you know, really really sort of fine-sliced reindeer meat 
um, in the shadow of the Northern Lights in an island called Spitsbergen, um, which is just in the Arctic. And that, to me, that was luxury. It wasn't because I was eating caviar or anything like that. I was eating reindeer meat. But it was, also, it was the combination of the unlikeliness of it and the setting and the unusualness of the meat. That, to me, is, you know, an ultimate luxury. Every bit as much as sort of having caviar in a, <laughs> you know, having a caviar in, a, in St. Petersburg. So, um, yeah, that's the thing that, that jumps into my head. Well, and the thing that jumps into my head that I want to make sure to mention also uh, was, again, just your foreword that you wrote. I, I told you earlier I was salivating. Uh, <laughs> you really love what you do, and you share it. I mean, this book is filled with uh, – it's a wonderful resource for food lovers everywhere. So, unfortunately, we're just about out of time, and I want to give you a chance to uh, have – if you have any final thoughts, uh, anything about the book that you want to share with our listeners before we have to close? Yeah, the only thing I, I would say is, that, you know, when you've decided that you want to be uh, someone who puts food at the heart of traveling, it can be overwhelming, you know. It, it's like getting into jazz for the first time and you're confronted with that massive century-old back catalogue. Where do you start? Well, the aim of this book is to just get you curious, get you interested, get you hungry, point you in the right direction, and pat you on the back with some encouragement and send you on your way. So it's a good way in. It stops the world of food being intimidating, and that, I think, is our ultimate aim with this book. Well, i got to say, Glenn, I was so looking forward to speaking with you, and you have exceeded my expectations, as has this book. And really, the holiday season is coming up. It will make the perfect gift for uh, friends, family, and especially for oneself, because it is really a beautiful book, and like I say, packed with important information and those top ten lists. I loved it. Oh, well, thank you very much. It's been great to talk. Well, great to talk with you, and thanks again for the information, your expertise, and your fun attitude about food and travel. <laughs> thanks so much. Good to, good to talk. Okay, Glenn, and until next time, this is Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and I'll catch you later. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.